<laughs> one of my favorite right. Ice-T movies is Surviving the Game. I just got to ask you about that one right there. What was it like shooting that? I almost didn't get that movie because of reverse racism. Oh! Almost. When they, they, they wanted me to do the movie, and the writer was like, I don't want to hunt black people. I don't want to hunt black people. This is not a racist movie. And my black ass was sitting in there saying, it's okay to hunt black people. It's <laughs> I wanted the job, right? I was like, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. You can hunt black people. You don't so understand. They, so what they did in the movie when they when you go into the when they went into the cabin with all the heads, mm-hmm. they were all white heads. Mm. Because that the, the the writer was adamantly saying this can't be about race. This is all about class. It was fun, man. That was like one of my movies, the first movie. I was the star star working with Charles Dutton and, and and Rutger Hauer, rest in peace. They chased my black ass. What you saw is what happened for 10 weeks. They had me running around the woods and, and motherfuckers was chasing my black ass. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. Lights, camera, action. Welcome back to another episode of Happy Hour Films. As you all know, I'm Ross Bacon. I'm joined by my co-host, Mike McGregor. Mike, say hi. How's everyone doing? And as you should know by now, we are a podcast where two dudes, we drink and we talk about movies. And this week we're in between. We we are in between our themes. We're in between our movies you just can't make today uh, uh, month. And then we're next month, Mike and I are going to try to kill each other. And it's going to be see who can kill themselves first watching the other's uh, movies that they pick. But in between that time, we are we have a little bit of a week here where we're just gonna watch. We just watched two movies featuring one of our favorites, uh, Ice T. He's at least my favorite actor named after a beverage. Exactly, <laughs> he, he features heavily in both. He stars in both of the well, stars in one, features heavily in the second, and uh, a one young Gary Busey makes an appearance in the other one as well, and. Uh, Gives probably one of the wildest monologues I've ever heard in my life. But um, we're going to talk about surviving the game, and we're also going to talk about Tank Girl. So we just decided to play Bigger Pocket. We're going to go around this this week. Who gives a shit? We're going to have some fun before we try to murder each other. And before we do any of that, though, we got to talk about what we're drinking. So, Mike, what do you got? All right. So we're we're still going with uh, milkshake uh, beers. <laughs> I went Can't with... Get away from- Mike just can't get away from those milkshake beers. Uh, no, I can't. Um, we're uh, we're going with Duclaw. I think you've had them a few times. I mean, I have once or twice. Baltimore. And I went with the Pastriarchy. Okay. <laughs> so it is three scoops, uh, Neapolitan, Neapolitan, whatever. Neapolitan. <laughs> Neapolitan. 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 Stout. So that's the whole vanilla, chocolate, and strawberry. Nice. I'm not getting any of it if I'm being honest. <laughs> All of that lead up for nothing. <laughs> this just tastes like a stout to me. I got nothing. <laughs> like you get the chocolate because stouts have like heavy dark chocolate in it, like coffee flavor, but. Yeah. I'm like trying to see if there's an aftertaste of vanilla or strawberry, but no, I think this is just a stout with a fancy new label. <laughs> nice. That's funny. But uh, all right. So I, on the other hand, went to Zed's and uh, I got their Zed's Beer de Ate or De 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 Ate. De Ate. I don't know. It's B I E with an accent R E. Space D apostrophe capital E with an apostrophe T small E with an apostrophe. So, however you pronounce that correctly, that's how it is. It's their summer saison featuring Mistral hops, uh, 6.0. Obviously, Burden Marlton, like Zed's is, and it's pretty good. It's a good little, good little sip in saison. There's, um, there's some interesting notes in that. Like the last time I think I got. Like their Vietnamese saison or something, and that was like very lemon peppery. Yeah, this one, this one's like very, it's not citrusy, but it's, it's just like a crisp, refreshing, like, 
beer. Like that's really all I can say. It's just it's just a pretty good beer. And uh I don't I don't know what beer de ate means, but um maybe I can look it up on Google Translate, but it's uh it's pretty good. So now we will get into our movies of the week. Now, Mike, was this your first time watching either of these? It was my first time watching both of these. Nice, nice, nice. And uh, these are one phenomenal movie because Surviving the Game is just... Oh, I genuinely liked Surviving the Game. Like, not even just like, oh, this is my cup of tea. Like, I think that a lot of people would really enjoy this movie. Okay, I'm sorry. I just Googled beer date. It's just summer beer. That's all. That's all <laughs> summer beer. So uh, thanks, France. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's summer. Surviving the game is such. It's one of those movies that is so under the radar that it it shouldn't be. And no, I think yeah, no it's never even gotten an HD release. No, and I think yeah, no, we had to rent, had to rent it in fucking standard def. And but I think the reason for it is is because Ice Tea's the star, which is fucked up because it's a great movie. <laughs> that I I did have one complaint about it but lies lies no no i i think you'll agree with me with this complaint (laughs) gary Busey at the dinner scene gives that the speech where he had to fight his own dog and then is the first motherfucker to die i'm like what the hell you set that that up and gary Busey looks like the big dick in the room and you kill him first? Like, why am I supposed to be scared of any of these other guys? Rucker Hauer has nothing on Busey in this movie. <laughs> yeah, Busey's the whole reason why this thing even is, like, funded and paid for. He works for the CIA, and it's, it's just hunting humans for sport with a bunch of, like, rich dudes. I mean, let's, okay, here's the hunting party, for one. Gary Busey, John C. McGinley, F. Murray Abraham, <laughs> Charles S. Dutton, and Rutger Hauer. And then, of course, there is F. Marie Abraham's son, William McNamara. Now, I am willing to bet that the only reason William McNamara actually got this role is because I think River Phoenix was dead at this point. And B, I think he may have won a contest. <laughs> <laughs> There's no other reason for him to be in this movie. But, yeah, I'm like... So, I I actually read this story on the monologue. It was not in the movie originally, and Gary Busey was just like, hang on, I have an idea, let me improvise this. And the director loved it, kept it in, but apparently Rucker Hauer had a problem with it, because he was like, my character needs to put Gary Busey in his place, because I'm the big bad, not him. He dies not that long into the movie. I can see that. But that's like, if this movie were made today, and obviously John C. McGinley, F. Murray Abraham, Rutger Hauer, none of these guys would be the names. It would be like your generic Canadian action stars. Mm-hmm. And then Gary Busey would be the guy that they put on the poster like to try to like, sucker you into watching, and he's in it for that scene. Like That would be it. It would just be that scene is the only It would Godzilla us with like... Exactly. With, um... <laughs> you know, with Brian Cranston. That yeah, would, with Brian Cranston. That that would that that is. Speaking of which, movie. I would love to see Brian Cranston in a role like this, in the Gary Busey role. Yeah, that would be great. Him or like Rucker Howard. That would be great. Um, but yeah, it's this is such a '90s movie too. It's from 1994. It's right in the heat of the '90s, you know. And there's just right off the bat, we are introduced to. Um, Ice T, who is a homeless man, he has this homeless buddy who is basically just trying to die. That's this old man just wants to die. And the best part is they rob like a meat packing plant, and then fucking Ice T fries up this like Tyrannosaurus steak. <laughs> like, did you see the size of this slab of beef that he curls up? <laughs> it's like fucking Rocky was punching it. <laughs> Yeah, that's, this movie, like, even, like, when I look at this movie, I'm like, the action's fun, it's funny to an extent, 
Just having OC in a movie, you're going to get laughs, whether or not you're meant to. Dude, here we go. Here, here are just a couple of some great iced tea lines. For twenty bucks, I'll run to fucking Alaska <laughs> and try. Well done, bitch. <laughs> I also love the ending of this movie. is so damn perfect for what <laughs> this movie actually is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's. I mean. There is the briefest of setups to what how this movie ends, and it's this his dead hobo friend is just like he's like, hey man, and always look into the barrel of a gun to make sure there's no bullet in there. It's like if you yeah. do it, it'll explode in your hand. It's like everybody paying attention. <laughs> and then it's it's so funny because then there's the needlessly complicated um, aspect of the of the of picking who is the next one to be hunted. Which involves Charles S. Dutton. I don't know if he's posing as a member of this church, but he's essentially working for this church like outreach group and is in charge of like picking homeless people basically to go die. And they've been doing this hunting party for a little while. How is it that Charles S. Dutton has somebody in the church hasn't been like, so that those homeless guys you keep wanting to like rehab? They keep disappearing. <laughs> Where'd they go? Europe. They keep going. <laughs> right. It's like, are are you sure you're not murdering them? Are you sure? <laughs> you sure about that? <laughs> My other slight complaint for this is I like John C. McGinley when he is more of a dick. I I, mean, I don't know he's pretty much he's a pretty uh pretty giant dick in this one. But I don't get an exaggerated enough dick. Also, he he's the one that kind of has second thoughts on it. Well, that's because he he's the one that actually learns. Like his story is that his family, um, he just lost his family, mm-hmm. and Ice T flippantly makes a joke at dinner that he killed his family, kind of like you know, fuck them, whatever. Just being sarcastic. Well, John C. McGinley obviously takes him seriously and wants to hunt him down, skin him alive, all that shit. Well, of course, during those course of the movie, Ice-T takes him hostage and he tells him the real story of what happened. And it's um, his family burned in their burned to death in their apartment building because apparently he didn't fix the wiring or something like that. And it was and he blames himself for murder. That's what he meant by I killed my family. So John C. McGinley obviously hears that, sees that maybe he's a human being and not just a homeless man to murder in the woods. And he's like, yeah, I, I'm done. I'm out. Well, I do enjoy, though, that Rucker Howard's like, well, then I'm going to shoot you in the fucking head. And he does. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, well, yeah, you ain't getting out of here alive. <laughs> and my first complaint is not meant to take a shot at Rucker Howard, but it's just how Busey sets himself up with that monologue. That is like, there's no, it's one of the best scenes in the movie. And frankly, there is no redeeming Rutger Hauer's character as the big bad after Busey puts on that show. Yeah, I mean, it's... And especially if you're Rutger Hauer in 1994. Blade Runner is out. You have one of the best monologues in movie history that you are the tears-in-rain guy. And then you step into this movie and you're like, oh, I get to be the villain. Wait, and you're reading through the script and then you see that Busey has that, like, I killed my own dog... My dad well, no, that's the thing. It dog. wasn't in the script. Busey uh, came up with it. Oh, Jesus. Even better. You know? <laughs> Even better. Because where did that come from? Because the did story Busey is that. Busey actually kill his own dog? Yeah, yeah did Busey's dad force him to kill his dog so he could become a man? You know? Just some weird fucked up bar mitzvah? Like, what was this? <laughs> that's. Yeah, and like, Rucker Howard does a good enough job, but. I don't know. I I think if you restructure it where it's like, oh, the businessmen kind of are like all dying off. Yeah, Busey's still like kind of gung ho about it. Rocker Howard's starting to have second thoughts, and Busey becomes the last guy. That makes this movie damn near perfect. Yeah, yeah. Instead, we kind of get like a uh uh like a drew barrymore and scream situation you know where it's like oh busey's here oh wait busey's gone (laughs) (laughs) oh no (laughs) but yeah it's 
there there's just so many things about this movie that are great especially i mean most of it all centers around ice t being the fucking star of this movie because he is just ice t with a bad wig on i mean he looks like the predator <laughs> in this thing <laughs> he looks like the predator without his mask on <laughs> i mean he might as well be yeah he might as well. yeah he is hunting dudes in the woods on a really hot day but um yeah and then he the best part is in the beginning he tries to kill himself he tries to just jut, like walk in front of a fucking Peterbilt coming down the road. <laughs> like yeah. Optimus Prime's about to plow him, you know, but Charles S. Dutton saves his life. And it's there there is so much like good here. Like F. Murray Abraham is great with he's trying to make a man out of his son who just won't uh because apparently if you don't apparently in this movie if you don't kill your own dog or kill another human being, you're not an odd man in the eyes of your father. <laughs> but I don't know. I think if I'm with F. Murray Abraham on this one. William McNamara definitely seems like a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> now, I might try to toughen that kid up too by making him choke the life out of somebody. <laughs> that's, I'm looking at, uh, I'm on the IMDb page and under awards, it had one nomination. I'm like, oh God. I got to see what this is, and it is not a. It's I'm not disappointed. Is it a BAFTA? <laughs> it's an all deaf movie award, and I'm guessing deaf as in like deaf jam. Yes, it's gotta be. And the award was best black survivor in a movie. Wow, that is a very specific <laughs> award. You know, it's it's almost as if for that year they were like, we need to get Ice T an award. He's only nominated. He didn't win. I, I oh, gotta. Who won? <laughs> Wait, what other movies in 1994 had a black man survive? We gotta narrow it down to that first. <laughs> Anybody survive a horror movie? Was like one of the later Jason sequels in 94? <laughs> but I, I gotta find the all death movie awards. <laughs> yeah, one of like, oh yeah, it's I'm sure it's well shut, like long shuttered. <laughs> You're not finding, I don't think you're finding anything. That's in the archives of the archives, you know? Hey, 2007, it was as recently as 2017 that they had it. Wow. Even the same awards? Yes. Oh, man, you gotta, then you gotta go back into the, uh, the, the classic days of the all deaf, uh, movie awards. Back to 1994. But. Yeah, that's. I'm not finding much on it though. From of course, of course not. Why would you? I mean, it's not the Razzies, it's not the Oscars. Hell, it's not even the Golden Globes. Probably more legit than the Golden Globes, but <laughs> yeah, that's that's hilarious. Right, in 2016, the All Deaf Movie Awards, Michael B. Jordan won the Best Actor for Creed. Of course he did. Of course he did. You know, <laughs> but oh god, that's hilarious. But um, yeah. Uh... <laughs> The bad, the best bad motherfucker award went to Denzel Washington in Training Day. Okay, okay, that makes sense. That makes oh, sense. Ice Cube in Anaconda. So it looks like it's not based off of year. It is, oh, it's just like whenever they had the awards, they just kind of picked some people. Yes, that's it's hilarious that Ice Cube beat Ice T <laughs> <laughs> in a in a. Worse. Yeah, this, this was actually so this this was nominated for an award 22 years after it came out that's hilarious but i love this i love that this is a thing that that is fucking hilarious i man it's it's really disappointing to know that ice cube won over ice t in this that's just yeah. Ice-T is a better actor. Come he's on. so much better. He's so much more enjoyable to watch on screen, excepting the 21 Jump Street movies. Yes. <laughs> Which, even if, if you put Ice-T in that role, it would probably be better. <laughs> it would be a little less angry and a little more sarcastic. But it would be more threatening somehow. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Ice-T is a scary mother. Dude was a legit pimp, you know? He was a bad motherfucker in the early 90s, late 80s, you know? It was a dude you just didn't fuck with. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, Ice Cube was an NWA, but he wasn't, like, living the life that Ice-T was living, you know? No, no, that was... Yeah, NWA street cred wrote on the back of Easy e to an extent. Yeah, I mean, 
I'm sure Ice Cube did not grow up in the greatest situation, but he wasn't Ice T, you know. <laughs> I mean, if you watch, yeah, like if you watch straight out of Compton, Ice Cube was a high school student. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I, I don't think Tracy uh, Tracy McGrady McGrady. Oh, what is Ice T's last name? It's Tracy something. Oh fuck. Imagine he, Tracy McGrady. Tracy Morrow. Tracy Morrow is what it is. Tracy Lauren Morrow, by the way. <laughs> Fun fact about Ice-T is he used to be much taller and play for the Washington Wizards. <laughs> Tracy McGrady. Yeah, Tracy McGrady. That'd be great. But, uh, yeah, it's like, oh, man. It's that, man, that kind of ruined my night. That kind of ruined my night to know that Ice Cube beat out Ice-T for best black survivor in a movie <laughs> when this is like the greatest black survivor because he kills a bunch of white dudes but he's not even black the, he's not even just, like just on the back that he's the main character he deserved it over ice cube <laughs> yeah i mean really technically ice cube only gets like does he get like he gets like the killing blow right in anaconda yeah but j-lo does most of the work before that <laughs> So like he's really just gets an assist there, but it's you yeah. clearly never played Call of Duty. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I haven't. And and if Ice T was playing against me and he survived, I would give him the award over Ice Cube. <laughs> you know, Ice Cube is killing. Oh no, I, I was more pointing out to the fact that like if you do ninety percent of the damage, but someone else gets the last ten percent, they get the kill, you get well, the there assist. You there you go. But yeah, I mean. It's it's fucked up, man. Why why doesn't Ice T get the recognition he deserves? That's why we're here, damn it. We're we're doing the work that no one else wants to do. Ricochet, Ice T, surviving the game, Ice T. You know, uh, I mean, at least, <laughs> at least, um, what's his name? Shout out Ice T in uh in his comedy. Oh God, why can't I think of his name? John Mulaney. John Mulaney. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's like, I can watch Ice T just ask questions all day. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. And then, of course, he was on on the Chappelle show sketch, the player haters ball. (laughs) He was in that, too. (laughs) Any motherfucker in Russian again is getting shot. (laughs) Please believe. But, and then, then, of course, I mean, there were so many times, like, again, like, this is such an enjoyable movie that, like, we get, like, the wall, like, the room of, like, Futurama heads <laughs> where all the previous, like, quote-unquote winners or whatever, all the con- previous contestants, their heads are in, like, Futurama jars <laughs> with their names on them and everything. Yes. <laughs> Wait, are you, now I'm looking at Ice-T's awards. Are you aware he was nominated for an Adult Video News Award? Yes. Um... Isn't he, isn't like him and Snoop Dogg like involved in some porn, like some porn movie? So he, he got nominated for best non-sex performance. In a porn? In in Pimpin' 101. That sounds right. That sounds about right. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds about right. Yeah. (laughs) Every fact. I learn about Ice T makes me like him more. He's the best. He's just the fucking best. And oh man, he's just the best. He's he's so he's so great. I mean, but then of course in this movie, Charles S. Dutton gets his legs blown off, and he's kind of like he's kind of like um like Tug Speedman and uh, AKA Four Leaf in Tropic Thunder when he's trying to cry in that scene. Yeah. <laughs> but it also made, really made me think of Lieutenant Dan. It's like Lieutenant Dan ain't got no legs. <laughs> Because no <laughs> he even kind of does like the talk speed when like when we get home, man, we gonna we gonna keep going, right? <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, yeah. And Rucker Howard's like, yeah, okay, I'm gonna have to kill you now. <laughs> You're going to die. Here we go. I'm gonna choke you out in the weirdest way possible. <laughs> it's like he's it's like he's like uh it's like he's checking his adenoids for like swollen, like sore throat. <laughs> he's checking his lymph <laughs> nodes, ma- making sure he doesn't have um <laughs> making sure that Oh God! I forget what it's called. Where the things down here swell up. Strep. <laughs> yeah, strep, tonsillitis, anyway, whatever. But yeah, this this movie is just it's it's pretty great. And the thing is, it, there is no part where you're like, "Well, this is stupid." You're like, you're like was never, is, "There's no boring part," and there's no like. 
as far as the 90s action movies go, my suspension of disbelief was like considerably lower than your average 90s action movie. Now, that bar is set really high, so I'm not saying it's low by any means, but it is considerably lower. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... It's it's just one of those movies that you put it on. You're like, all right, I'm gonna enjoy the '90sness of this. And holy shit, Ice T is pretty great. And he's like, all right. And now, wait, Gary Busey's talking about killing his own dog. Oh, now okay. he's dead. <laughs> and now he's dead. Let's move on. But yeah, I mean, it's it's such a fun movie. And yeah, and then like you know, John C. McGinley is great. F. Murray Abraham still is also bringing it. Like again, how the fuck is William McNamara in this movie? Like, why is he here? <laughs> Now, I just needed one line from F. Murray Abraham. It wasn't you that killed me. It was God. <laughs> Twas God. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Fucking Amadeus just pops his head in and farts or something. <laughs> <laughs> Amadeus comes out of nowhere, kills him with like a piano wire. That would be great. But, oh, man. Yeah. So, yeah. Surviving the game. Just highly recommended. Highly recommended. All right, Mike, how's your beer? Uh, it's all right. I mean, I'm not. I, I bought into this based on the fact that I like ice cream, not that I like stouts. And it's mostly stout and not very much ice cream. Yeah. I mean, now, I'm sure if someone was a big stout fan, they would like it. I, I'm not a good reviewer of stouts just because my baseline for them is fairly low. <laughs> They're stouts. Moving on. <laughs> it tastes like coffee. Now it's, it's, yeah. coffee. <laughs> it's chocolate and coffee. Oh well. But um all right, yeah, my uh my Zed's beer date uh, or summer beer, summer saison, uh featuring mistral hops. I I keep reading it as mistrial or minstrel. I was like, well, neither of those are I keep hearing menstrual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, again, not a good thing to be putting for your hops. Um but yeah, it's very good. It's uh drinking nicely. So all right, now on the tank, girl. The year after surviving the game. And uh, it's directed by Rachel Talalay, who did Freddy's Dead and a whole shitload of TV. And right off the bat, this movie was based off of a, like, it was adapted from a British comic book. And you know that because most of the movie, when they have to have a big action scene, is animated parts of the comic book. Because yeah. When you want to save on money and production values, you just animate it. <laughs> you yeah, put a voiceover over it. It's kind of like a comic book from the same vein as like Judge Dredd or something, where it's like one of those grittier comics. I yeah. looked into it a little bit, but not too much. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's more like I think tits and ass in it than there is in the actual movie. Is, is tell... it also like a like I feel like a looking into this this seemed to be a relatively early like feminist icon in comics <clears throat> yeah yeah i think it is and um yeah there's a lot of like i mean the movie doesn't quite do it justice because it was such a failure like box office failure but the original like shit is very much like cosplayers paradise cult comic book um a lot of like feminists like themes and whatnot in it and it's uh the movie kind of went like okay we made a movie but everyone was like oh is the comic book like the movie no we're not gonna read it anymore it's kind of like sylvester stallone's judge dread you know it's like yeah those two are not of not alike at all <laughs> you know yeah. it's hey dread doesn't remove his helmet sly does that i think in the first 30 seconds of the movie <laughs> so it's, now, if you watch Dread, the Carl Urban one, oh, <laughs> that's uh, a good one. Carl Urban. Yeah, it's, it is. And then it almost makes me wonder, because I don't think, like, we, we we mentioned last month, we were talking about movies that couldn't be made today. Like, Tank Girl is a movie that would be ripe for a remake today. It's it's based off a comic book. It's it's It would have a female lead. You know, they would be finding a way to try to diversify the shit out of the movie too yeah i i think this would be uh it would probably i guess it depends how close they go to the source material but i think you could make a really good movie out of it and nowadays it would have to be like 
adapting the source material. It'd have to be like the Carl Urban Dread because people would be like, well, the 90s one was terrible. Let's make a good, legit one. But of course, it would be over serious and all that shit and it would it would crash and burn. But that's like it would I feel like it would almost go the same way as like Alita Battle Angel. Oh, yeah, that was a movie. <laughs> like it, it's a relatively good movie. I, I don't it's not great, but it's good. Um, Christoph Waltz is really good in it, and it's Christoph Waltz, yeah. But I think it would go kind of unrecognized for like it would get a cult audience, but I I'm not sure it would be like a huge box office win, which is no, why absolutely. I'm not sure Tanko would get made today because I feel you need a decent budget to make this type of movie, and I'm not sure a studio would think that they would get a return on investment. No, absolutely not, and. It's kind of it's kind of crazy that Dread was even made because it's the same concept. You know, there was a bad 90s version. Let's remake it to be close to the source material. And even that was like it came out and it kind of came and went. And people that know it and saw it were like, yeah, this is good. But it never got the wide attention that it deserved, really. Probably because everyone associated it with the Sylvester Stallone. That was just so bad. But now, if we did remake it today... Who would be Tank Girl? That's the question. Like, who the hell would be Tank Girl? Like, I, I have a vote. I have a vote. Who's that? It depends if you want to go. So, if you go, I feel like you have to go younger with it. So, I'm going Samara Weaving. Yeah. Yeah, she'd be great. She'd be fucking great because she's always great. But she's also around that, like, she has that look. She's that age. You know, it's the right age because Lori Petty was coming off of i believe it was well point break and free willy i think mm-hmm. and i think isn't a league of their own around this time as well yeah but like so she was hot at the time and apparently Lori petty said she read the script and was like yeah that's me like like she's like i live this lifestyle and so she's perfect for it but samara is good at getting into like weird cat like guns akimbo is a perfect mm-hmm. look at it like she she's a psychopath in that but mm-hmm. She can also be silly, you know? Now, I will say, if I could pick any actress ever to play this, it probably would have been Charlize Theron. Yeah, get old Furiosa in there. That'd be great. That'd be pretty great. And, of course, I want Christoph Waltz as the the guy who, like, runs the company. As Malcolm McDowell's character. Yeah. yeah. And who eventually gets a hologram for a head. (laughs) Which I'm going to totally... Totally gonna. They broke the mold with that. I'm like, whoa, are holograms useful in this movie? <laughs> Think about it. It's fucking perfect. But Look, yeah, is this is this the first time I've seen a hologram in a movie and not gone? Well, a video would have worked just as well. <laughs> like that's stupid. But yeah, it's it's pretty great. And of course, the Department of Water and Power is like the bad guy in this. Yeah. Because if you're in a dystopian wasteland in Australia, apparently you have to be looking for water or gas or something like that. This is basically like punk rock Mad Max, even though Mad Max is already punk rock. Like this is like this is like that like the punk bands that like only do it because of the edge man like we're not in it for attention we're we're bands that we're sticking to the mute and like everything out of their mouth is like we don't do it for attention yet they continue to exist as a band so it kind of contradicts everything they're saying <laughs> actually i take it back christoph waltz would not be mcdowell's character vigo mortensen should be <laughs> that would be interesting that would be very interesting but um i mean <laughs> It's. I I would venture to say the real question is who's going to be putting them kangaroo outfits? <laughs> Who are we making kangaroo people? Who's going to be the cheetah guy? Yeah, I mean we got Reggie Cat, uh, Reggie Kathy, rest in peace. He's our lead kangaroo guy. Then of course we have our man Ice T, and then there's Booga. <laughs> Booga was apparently a dog that was allowed to become a human. <laughs> But was still like a human kangaroo hybrid of some kind. <laughs> now, did you read about Puga and the 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 sex scene with Lori Petty? No. Okay. So what we're seeing shown in the movie is just them afterward laying in bed, just kind of talking. Apparently, there is there was a cut where there was a full on and a prosthetic was created for it 
to give Booga a gigantic cock. <laughs> and there was going to be like, they were going to be smoking cigarettes afterwards, like looking like Lori Petty looking like she got run through by a gigantic kangaroo cock. And apparently someone was like, yeah, that's a step too far. <laughs> Maybe we cut off. <laughs> now this movie was hacked to death by the studio, but I want to say that if we're going to, if we're going to blame the studio for something, it's not having the balls to keep the kangaroo cock in there because <laughs> we've mentioned it recently. I point fast forward to sorry for sorry to bother you with the giant horse cock people. <laughs> they had the balls to do it. Why didn't tank girl? <laughs> Which does bring us to one person who would be, uh, I, I think he would be the, uh, what cheetah or whatever his name is. The lead uh, guy. Oh yeah. Yeah. Reggie Cathy's character. Reggie Cat. Which would yeah. be with Keith Stanfield. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, it's, I don't know, Lakeith, Lakeith Stanfield, man, as much as I love him, he, every, in all of his roles, and I don't know if it's just, I don't know, maybe it's just the, him as an actor and his acting style, he always seems like he's annoyed mm-hmm. to be an actor, you know? And maybe he now I would never recast Ice T, but maybe he would oh, do no. better as Ice T's as T Saint. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's just like he Stanfield is great, but he does seem like he's somehow already over being a star in Hollywood. And I haven't seen him on because he's on Atlanta, right? Like he's on Atlanta as well. Like I haven't seen how he is on that, but most of his movies outside of Get Out, <sighs> excuse me. Outside of Get Out, it's like, sorry to bother you, he's great. But then when we watched that terrible Death Note movie, he definitely seemed like he was half-assing it at best. <laughs> well, have you seen that? That was like before he got big, too. Like, I feel yeah. like that was one of his breakout roles to an extent in like a bad way, because it's easily his worst movie he's ever made. Absolutely. That Absolutely. I've seen anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's it's like, Oh man, he's he's such a great actor that unfortunately I think he kind of does stick to I mean I'm talking out my ass right now because there is a movie that he did recently. Oh, it's gonna bother the shit out of me. He did recently where I was like, why the hell is Lakeith Stanfield in this? <laughs> like what did he do? Did he need like did he need like the paycheck? Um well of course he was in Knives Out, which you know, he was good in. Um what the fuck? Well, there was something else. Sorry to bother you. Death now. Blah, blah, blah. Hey, he's in that War Machine movie with Brad Pitt that we keep talking about when no one will ever watch. Um, Get out. Yeah. No. Fuck. What was it? Yeah, it was something else. Maybe I'm making it up. Who cares? Whatever. But yeah, it's. I don't know, man. It's there. There's a lot of. There's a lot of reasons why Tank Girl probably shouldn't be remade. Never mind the fact that it's a property that probably wouldn't make any money because that's the driving force nowadays for everything. But it's just you can't make this movie today. There's just there's no one out there with the sensibility to do it like this. There's no there's no studio with the balls to put in the scenes that are needed to probably be true to the source material. Right. And if you're going to do it like you do, like they did it, I mean, sorry to bother you has a very distinct like style to it. And boots Riley, that was his first movie. And I think if he were to do that, um, what well, wasn't, uh, yeah, it was his first like actual feature film. If he were to do it, it might be pretty good, you know? Cause there's like, there's just it's got to be kind of quirky, and it can't be quirky in the sense that like can um, we include Pat and Oswald in some way? <laughs> he'd be he'd be a kangaroo person. He would. He would absolutely be a kangaroo. <laughs> but yeah, you just, I don't know. There, I'm trying to think of anybody where like even like if you made like Tarantino made this movie as like Kill Bill one, you know, in that style where like most of it's in like uh, there's that giant there's that anime sequence. There's you know. I don't know. There's there's a little bit of flair to it. It's Edgar Wright might make a decent run at it, but I honestly can't think of anybody else doing this movie like this. I feel like 
you maybe uh no maybe like maybe a Robert Rodriguez possibly but he's he's even fallen like he's even in the half ass in it to ha- half assing his half assing you know it's he's he's not what he used to be and uh Frank I, Frank Miller maybe dude yeah, this this is very much a Frank Miller like style, but Frank Miller is a fucking crazy person now. He is completely insane now, and because like hey, Sin City is probably one of the more successful movies you could draw parallels with this. The first one, absolutely, yeah. yeah. That second one's terrible, but yeah, and that was like Frank and Rodriguez like working together to be like, hey, let's get the style right, you yeah. know. Um, but yeah, and then of course. It's just like all, throwing in all the animation. It's like, well, it, it kind of reminded me of like the beginning of Mallrats where we're like flipping through the com- the comic book and all that. But it's like, okay, I get it. This was like you were crunched for a budget. So that's the best way to do it, you know? But now if you do that nowadays, people would immediately call you out. You know, they would call you out on They were like, well, you couldn't afford to actually try to shoot it right. And then if you did shoot it right, it'd be CGI and you'd be but I yelled at for that too. So it's like you couldn't, you can't win either way. But this movie is almost so perfectly 90s simply because, and this is what cracks me up because you know how the kids nowadays love to say they're 90s kids. Like, oh, I'm a 90s kid. Were you listening to Portishead in 1995? Because if you weren't, you're not a fucking 90s kid. Portishead was the sad girl anthem of the 90s. <laughs> And I I have a director that I think could work, and he's not bogged down by Hollywood enough to succumb to Hollywood tropes. Guillermo del Takashi Miike. Oh God! Oh my God! We want to make this movie actually. We don't want to give people nightmares, Mike. <laughs> we don't want to disturb them. I mean, we do, but this would, that would be a, disturb, that, that would definitely be a disturbing kangaroo sex scene is what that would be. Kitty, 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 kitty. <laughs> Fucking auditions, chicks just like cutting like your kangaroo foot off or something. God, God damn, that would, oh, you know, no, 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 yes, seven, seven minutes. Yes. <laughs> Like, like the, you throw it out to like Guillermo del Toro. Like, what would Guillermo del Toro do with this? You know, is and then there's when the best part is like with this actual movie, getting the actual movie itself. Like Naomi Watts is in this. Naomi fucking Watts is in this movie. Guillermo del Toro and Takashi Miike work together. We oh get my the God. we get the the pale guy from Pan's Labyrinth and whatever Ichi the Killer is going to do to him. <laughs> This is that would be like the nexus of the universe, man. Everything would just collide. <laughs> it would all swallow in on itself, and movies would end, you know, just properly right there. Like, well, we put them together in a room, and it created a black hole. I am sorry, it's just what happened. <laughs> That's the other. If this got made today, the other thing that would happen, like the other way it could go, is like Dune, where the first one was like had was campy and kind of had that grimy look to it where the new one is a good movie by yeah. most standards but it and it looks awesome but it doesn't have that grime to it it's and again like it, it's good you mentioned that because david lynch did the first dune so it's like imagine david lynch doing tank girl you know it it might be unwatchable but it would be a train wreck of unwatchable. You'd be you'd be trying to figure out what the fuck you were watching for the first like ninety percent of the movie, and then the end of it, you think you got to figure it out, and all of a sudden the rugs pulled out from under you. You'd be like, "What the? F- what was I even watching? Where was the tank? Where was the girl? Like, what was any of this? <laughs> like, why was Kyle McLaughlin there? But it's there'd be so many weird things thrown in there. Like, speaking of Naomi Watson, she in uh, Mulholland Drive or whatever. It's another, uh, it's another David Lynch. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, I don't know, there, there's, again, like, and then there's James Hong is briefly in this, in this movie. He's the guy that fixes up Malcolm McDowell. And then just the simple fact of it, this takes place in 2020, in 2033. 
And I love when movies take place in the future and we are rapidly approaching said future. Yeah, we're not far off. But there's also like, this was from 1994. Presumably they were saying from that time now, we've, we've fast forwarded 40 years and we're 40 years in the future. Yet somehow Baywatch is still on the air because <laughs> Lori Petty makes a joke that she doesn't want to miss Baywatch. Their Cole Porter from the 1920s somehow survived the apocalypse. Listen, <laughs> if there's one person whose stardom is going to survive the apocalypse, it is David Hasselhoff. Exactly. Yeah, I was going to say Cole Porter. I was like, he didn't survive the 30s, <laughs> let alone <laughs> making it to 2033, the 1930s. But yeah, I mean, fucking Baywatch. And then it's, there's, there's so many like 90s references that it's like, okay, well, it, it, it almost takes you out of the movie because you're like, well, this is supposed to be the future. Like, why would these things survive? It's kind of like, I think it's in Dune. Isn't there in a, a part in Dune where they say that it's a piece of cake or something like that? It's like, this is an alien world in the future. How did that phrase make it there? <laughs> so I don't know if it would be a perfect movie or like completely changed, but Kubrick might be the director all time to like, you have the sci-fi aspects from 2001, a space odyssey. You have the griminess in uh, a clockwork arms, like the griminess, disturbing parts. And the you have, <laughs> Yep, and Malcolm McDowell. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have the uh, willingness to show graphic sex in Eyes Wide Shut. Hanging dong. Yeah, there's lots of hanging dong in those movies. Well, like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Kubrick would definitely be a guy nowadays. He'd be like Martin Scorsese. He'd be like, comic book movies aren't art. <laughs> it's like, well, now they're not because they all suck now. <laughs> you know, but they're Iron Man. You can put that out there as, you know, a decent, a good action movie and all that. But, yeah, I, would, I wouldn't exactly put fucking Black Panther Wakanda Forever up there on the all-time list. It's one of the worst movies ever made. <laughs> Let alone the fact that I think I saw today that uh, little um, Namor, little Tina Cuerta, yeah, he might be a domestic abuser or a sexual assaulter, you know? So Marvel's really picking them. They are really picking them right now. <laughs> Listen, at least <laughs> at least Marvel doesn't have Ezra Miller. But st- I mean, Jonathan Majors. I mean, yeah. he's not kidnapping people, but he's not exactly the best dude either. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I mean, in that Flash movie, it's the stuff I've read about it. It's I'm I'm not seeing it in theaters, and the only reason I would end up seeing it is for a Michael Keaton and b the cameo. I don't know if you've read about the cameos in it, but there is apparently a cameo that I am so glad someone finally put in a movie. And I don't I, I'm fuck. Who cares about spoiling it? It's a, it's Superman lives is an alternate universe. And if you know anything about the dead Project Superman lives, you know who that cameo then is, you know? So it's like, I need to see that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to wait for that to be on YouTube. Exactly. But I'm not going to watch the rest of the goddamn movie. The thing sounds like terrible. But, yeah, and it's and even like now, it's like across the Spider-Verse, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get to see that. But, like, I'll end up watching it when it comes on streaming. And then well, I mean, I, across the Spider-Verse... I, I did see that, and one of the best movies of the year. It's apparently as it's good phenomenal. or better than the first one. Yeah, apparently it's phenomenal. Because the people who make it care about it. <laughs> exactly, and that's the difference. Because you could tell that regardless of the studio input with Tank Girl and how much they chopped this movie and took it away from Talalay and all that, she at least tried to be faithful and make a quirky, offbeat, at least sort of sticking to the source material or derived from the source material movie. And the studio was like, just got cold feet. They were like, no, fuck it. We're changing all this shit. Fuck you. We're rewriting whatever. And it sucks. But at least she was trying to put the source material on screen in the 90s the way she could. You know? You're right. I've never read the source material, but I think it's a little more intense and a little more uh a little less pg-13 than the movie is 
Yeah. But it's like Sin City. Sin City is a lot more like that, too. But they managed to put that in uh, theaters as well and as an R rating. And they did it faithfully. Do we see Carla Gugino's tits in her ass? Yes, we do. But you're allowed to show a couple boobs (laughs) and a butt or two, you know? But, like, we're not hanging kangaroo cock like we we definitely should have been. (laughs) Yeah. And it's... I mean, then, of course, there's Ice-T. Like, Ice-T, as a disgruntled former cop-turned-kangaroo. Did you read the IMDb trivia for this? No. The fucking, of course, someone was immediately put in there. Ice-T's character says that he's a former a cop in his former life. Ice-T would, of course, go on to play a detective in Law & Order. I was like, really? Really? This is what the trivia section has come to? <laughs> Just citing other people, other roles he's had that were similar to this one. It's like, that's not, there's no connection there. It's like, people play roles, you know? <laughs> that's like, I'm looking at the parents' guide for this, and sex and nudity is in yellow, and violence and gore and profanity are in orange. All of them need to go to red. To if if you send work. them all to red, yeah, it, it becomes... I would say it becomes much more of a cult classic if yeah. they're all in hard red. Because right now, as it sits, you have your devoted fans of the comic book who enjoy the movie for the adaptation that it is. Then you have your cosplayers who can cosplay as Tank Girl. And then you have people who just like bad movies that have a charm to them. But... If you go hard R with everything, you probably encompass a lot more people that are going to be like, well, they went for it. You know, they at least went for it. So we can respect that. But and it becomes like a midnight movie kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Then you go into the same realm as like, oh, God, uh, (laughs) like Dr. Frankenfurt. (laughs) Yeah. Like fucking Rocky Horror elevated the room. Like it's, it's that kind of thing because it's, this is light years better production, obviously than the room. The room was a home movie that somehow found its way into theaters and it, it took on a life of its own because of how goddamn weird it is. But this movie is weird because the source material is weird. And you have Lori Petty who is committed. She oh, is like she committed. seems very much to be aligned with what the character was intended. Absolutely. And apparently Naomi Watts was like legitimately nervous because this is one of her first big actual movies. So she was like legitimately nervous to like be on screen with Lori Petty, who was, you know, huge star at the time, you know, coming and, off a very strong stretch. Absolutely. And Naomi Watts, like when she starts off, like covering her face, when she talks to Lori, that was like, apparently what she was actually doing. And like Lori Petty was like, look, you're an actor act, <laughs> you know, it's like, you don't need, you don't need to be scared. You know, we're all here doing a job, you know? Yeah. Like, look like, around. Uh, Lord, uh, League of their own was two years prior to this. Oh, well, yeah. She, she's a megastar. So this, yeah. this, if anything, is, and then I'm not putting him in the same league. I'm just saying this is what happened to the careers afterwards. This is her love guru. So this was a bomb. Lori Petty was not Lori Petty after this. She was not really like the go-to girl, the it girl. And just like Mike Myers, like his career in in comedies and like being the power that power demon that he was ended after Love Guru because you have a big enough failure. Hollywood's going to forget you exist. And it's it's a shame because Lori Petty is fun. She's She can be very, she's very fun. As great as Tyler in Point Break. She's great in A League of Their Own. She's good in this, but it's like she deserves Yeah, this more. is, like, you look at her known for, it's A League of Their Own, Point Break, Free Willy, and this. Yeah. And, like, she deserved more than to eventually come back. I think in Orange is the New Black, I think is what she was in. And, like, she deserved a lot more than that. Like, yeah. I'm looking in, okay, so this was in 95. All right, so now I'm going to start scrolling through her IMDb. For a I do love that she's credited as the character. I've never watched Prison Break, but she is the character Daddy in Prison Break. Of course. Yeah. And of course, she played Livewire briefly. Did a voice for that new Batman adventure, Superman. Yeah, she, she was in House first, and yeah, she was briefly in the Profiler, Star Trek Voyager briefly. But like, I'm I'm not seeing any Nothing actual big. 
any actual movies here. She was in an episode of ER, you know, episode of NYPD Blue. It's this movie killed Laurie Petty's career and or mainstream career, at least. And she deserves so much better than that. And it's, it's really a shame because someone saw this movie and was like, you know what? I, I guess it's not worth it to have these people in movies, except Naomi Watts. Naomi Watts somehow skipped away from that when that, those decisions were made. And she's like, well, I'm going to start my career. So I'm going to move on. I'm going to do things, you know? I'm going to be in the ring later, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a fucking monkey in King Kong. You know, <laughs> I'm going to do that. But, and then it's it's really a shame because this movie is, it's not, it's it's not great, but it's like, it's charmingly bad, you know? Yeah. It's charmingly silly and very it, nice. It, it's, it's a, it's a time capsule. It's absolutely because when I heard Portishead play and Courtney Love, oh, well, as she's credited in this, Courtney Love Cobain, she was like the movie, the music producer on this movie. So she was in charge of putting together the soundtrack, which is the 90s. It is absolutely your 90s alternative in a nutshell. And when I heard Portishead, I was like, Oh my God, I am back in high school <laughs> in my friend's Grand Cherokee, like driving around trying to find a diner to eat at. You know, I was like, this is fucked up. I don't need to hear this movie. I don't need to hear the song now. I left Sad White Girl in the past, you know? <laughs> now, actually, how this movie could be near perfect, you get Bagsy to make a animated movie of it. Fucking Ralph Bagsy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would I mean it'd have a lot more cat dick in it, you know. <laughs> I mean, then, of course, you know, Hollywood would show up and start fucking the kangaroos, but hey, that was never his apparently Cool World got so distorted from his original vision that <laughs> Oh I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure it was a real classy joint before ever before the outside forces got involved. This I'm is not saying guy it was a classy dealing, but apparently what the movie he wanted, like I, I forget the entire concept of it, but it sounded like a good movie. I <laughs> uh, I mean, it's from Ralph Bakshi. It's the Fritz, the fucking cat guy. There, there, there's a there's a ceiling on good for that guy, <laughs> and it's Cool World. <laughs> that is the top. Hey, that it his that version guy. of Lord of the Rings is interesting. <laughs> it's a movie. <laughs> it's certainly a movie. <laughs> but i mean yeah it's it's and of course yeah this movie ends with you know we ran out of money so how do we end the movie we animate it yes (laughs) i mean it's a great call it's 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 funny that they did that it's kind of like i don't know it's kind of like uh like it just makes me think of connor for real like uh poster never stop never stopping when uh he and tim meadows fight the bees (laughs) And it's not caught on camera because they made the camera guy turn like turn the uh, the video off. And he's like, "Tell me you got that." And he's like, "Oh no!" He's like, "My camera's like, what the fuck?" It's kind of like, "Yeah, we couldn't afford to shoot it, so we didn't." <laughs> you know? Makes me th- kind of made me think of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Exactly. So appearing in this movie, the animator died. Scenes deleted, yeah, all that. But it's 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 just ridiculous. Luckily, but, the animator passed away from a sudden heart attack. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's yeah. I mean, it, this movie's fun, and let's like surviving the game. They're just they're two movies that you look at and you go, these should not work, but they do. They do. But, uh, the so surviving the game, I that movie is something I feel like I could recommend to a good amount of people I know. Oh, absolutely! I would, I would girl, tell everyone to watch. There, there's a there's a population. <laughs> <laughs> I would tell everyone to watch it. Fuck it, everyone should watch it. It's <laughs> but uh, yeah, and so that's our in between week. We just kind of fucked around a little bit and watched some crazy movies. Now, give some praise to Ice T. Yeah. All right, Mike. First, tell people where they can find us on the internet. All right, you could find. Uh, if you see, if you see Ross's face right now, I'm smiling ear to ear. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It. I'm bracing myself for what's about to come because I don't know what Mike is going to throw at me for week one. I got First, he's going to have to finally, first, finally revenge. <laughs> first, he's going to have to throw. Well, where people can find us on the internet. All right, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Overcast, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from, thanks to Spotify Podcasts. You also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Happy Hour Films Podcast. Go like our shit. 
All right. So we're starting a new theme. July, Mike and I have decided that we're going to torture each other. So each week, one of us will pick two movies for the other to watch. Well, we're both going to watch them, but the other one will be subjected to two movies, basically. Oh, yeah. This is very much attacking each other. We're just it's a straight up attacking. So we're just saying, fuck you to the other one. See which one. See who survives the end of this month. So Mike is going first. I do not know what he is going to pick. So, Mike, for week one of Torture Month, what am I watching? All right. So I went back to our hate, our not thankful for November. Oh, no. Oh, no. And brought up little, little actor, Kevin James. Oh, God. Why? In his arguably most famous role, oh, we no. will be watching Paul Blart Mall Cop. One and two. Fuck. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I hate you. I absolutely straight hate you. Hey, remember <laughs> when quote? you made me watch Society? Oh, I, I, oh, oh, I hate that I wasted Society on that. I hate that I wasted that on the YouTube channel. Because that would be perfect for this. Perfect for this. Perfect revenge. Vengeance. <laughs> well, I mean, you know where this leads then, right? You know they, how they, this ends? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I... This theme was my idea. I assumed mutually assured destruction would be the outcome. In fact, I didn't expect the podcast to survive this theme. I expect us both to be dead by the end of it. <laughs> this will be the end. <laughs> you have four more episodes, people. That's all you're getting. <laughs> I mean, this will be a rematch of the Korean War. Let's go. <laughs> we will kill each other. This this is... Oh, I mean, fuck. Fucking hell. Paul Blart, really? God damn it. I can't wait. I can't wait to never laugh again. <laughs> I mean, fucking hell. There's... I would rather be in that Titanic sub. You know, it... It, fuck. This, this is one where I was thinking about it. I'm like, should I save this for my second choice? Because I'm uh-huh. not sure I could come up with something that's as good as, the, like, that I know you will hate as I'm, much I'm gonna as gi- this. I'm going to give you credit. This one's fucking bad. This is bad. <laughs> but I I have been known to watch some fucked up shit. So I'm not entirely sure you can top this <laughs> because I might be used to or able to take whatever next thing. You well, that's, when we first <laughs> when we when we did the YouTube thing that was basically this, uh, I tried to up your amount of fucked up shit. I realized that was the wrong way to go about getting to you. Yeah. <laughs> God, I, God, I can't believe I wasted society. I, that is such a bad choice in retrospect. Society is such a. Because I made you watch Devilman Cry, baby. You came back. You were like, "That was awesome." That was pretty great. Yeah, that was. Uh, I gotta tell you, that was pretty great. But yeah, oh, god damn it! Oh, I'm gonna have to dig deep on this one. I'm gonna have to dig deep to come back. Oh my god! I know what. I know one movie. I'm absolutely making you watch now. But oh god! All right. So I guess I gotta watch Paul Blart, and then the goddamn sequel. There was a second one. Fuck. (laughs) Now, admittedly, I've never seen the sequel before, so that, like, I I know what I'm subjecting myself to with Paul Blart 1. I don't exactly know what I'm getting into with the sequel. Oh, my God. I mean... I... uh, in august we're just not saying august and july is going to be the end so uh all right so until next week when i uh probably say a lot of things that are going to offend a lot of people i say a lot of horrible things about you're lucky we limited it to two movies because i would have considered making you rewatch the lord of the rings but the specifically the director's cut oh god the extended (laughs) version at least i would be mildly entertained at most points with that i mean I don't see Paul Blart having any redeeming factors. I, I, the only, my only hope is that there is some sort of 
ridiculous Adam Sandler C level crew in it that makes it funny at like like with like one laugh. Usually they're good for one legit laugh. I I don't see it happening with Paul. Oh, no, I, I think the only thing that's gonna get me through this is knowing how much more you hate it than I do. Yeah, that's yep. Yeah, there that's pretty much guaranteed. <laughs> that's pretty much guaranteed that I am going to be immediately texting Mike all of the hateful things that I want him to suffer, you know, while I am watching this godforsaken fucking movie. All right. So until next week when we're talking about that. If Ross makes it to next week. Yeah, if it might just be Mike. It might just be Mike reading a eulogy for me. Well, I succeeded. I got the kill shot in the first. Yeah, Ross killed himself. He threw himself out the highest window he could find. I mean, it's just God damn it. God damn it. But until next week when I say a lot of shit that Kevin James probably borderline could sue me for because fuck that guy. (laughs) But I have been Ross Bacon. I've been Mike McWiggan. And hopefully we'll see you next week. So long.